Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Good morning. It is Monday, March the 6th, and this is Blake Wilson, Lifeline Senior Vice President of Operations. And glad you're here. We're going to keep going through our study of C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. Today, we're going to be looking at two more chapters, and I hope you, know, you guys have been reading along with us. It's a great book, a very challenging book. Um, it really points us towards Scripture and helps us to pull out so many of the commands that we hear from our our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I hope you guys are ready for just another word this morning. I really enjoyed reading through and preparing for this this time together with you guys um, and really looking at two specific topics today. The first one is going to be forgiveness and the second one is going to be pride. And the first one, forgiveness, I think C.S. Lewis does a very good job of putting this into one sentence. And he says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And I think that is so true. We all have a difficult time forgiving you know, it sounds great when you challenge somebody else or when you're given instruction and you say you need to forgive that person or the, you know, the next step should be reconciliation or something along those lines. But when the tables are turned, it's super difficult to forgive often. So everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. I was talking to my kids about this topic and just getting their thoughts on um, what what is forgiveness? What does it mean to forgive. My oldest said, God forgave us, so we should forgive others. I mean, it's almost like straight out of scripture, which which made me proud as a, as a dad. So she said, God forgave us, so we should forgive others. My other daughter gave an example of what forgiveness means, and she praised my lovely wife for the way that she forgives them um, as children. And she gave an example of <laughs> just a an episode at our home, which I know as parents, everybody can relate to where somebody got mad. But then when they apologized, my wife was quick to forgive. And I think she just looked at a tangible example of what forgiveness looks like. And then I asked my youngest son what forgiveness looks like for um, for him. And he basically he, he said in his own words that Jesus is forgiveness. He elaborated a little bit and he talked about what Jesus did on the cross when he said, Daddy, you should just tell them about Jesus. And I think that is so true. When we try to understand forgiveness, what we're trying to do is just understand Jesus. Romans chapter 5 is immediately where my mind went when I started studying and thinking through what we were going to be talking about today on the topic of forgiveness, because I think Romans chapter 5 does such a great job in Paul's words of helping us understand what forgiveness is. And he says this in verse number one of Romans five. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I feel like we could spend the majority of our time this morning just looking at this one verse. It's a reminder that we have been justified through our faith. So we have found forgiveness, justification, and reconciliation. We have found that through our faith, and we have peace with God. Now, without that, we don't have peace. 
you know, this should be a wake up call for us just to remember what it was like before we knew Christ, before we tr- truly had that peace. It should give us a yearning and a desire to share that hope of the gospel with others because they don't know what true peace is until they have been justified through Christ. I think it's easy to get overwhelmed with what is all around us and the circumstances at hand and how we often just get um, overwhelmed and burdened by the things before us. But I, I really feel that in those moments, if we can take a deep breath and reflect on how the story ends, we know that all will be well um, when we are spending eternity with our Heavenly Father in heaven. So we will be at peace. We do have hope. And in the midst of trials and tribulations and turmoil and things that don't make sense, we know how the story ends. We know that because of our justification through Christ, that we have hope, that we have found forgiveness, and that we will be with Jesus Christ in heaven for eternity. So this verse tells us that we have peace with God and that peace from God comes through Jesus Christ. It is through him and through him alone that we have that peace. Paul continues in verse number two, and he says, through whom, so speaking of Jesus, we gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. We have found grace in which we now stand. I love the word stand that, that Paul used here. You know, we are, we are such broken, sinful creatures. How could we ever stand before our heavenly father if it wasn't for what Jesus did for us on the cross to pay the price for our sins, to reconcile us to himself? It is because of him and because of him alone that we can stand. So let us stand with confidence before him so that we uh, we know and can remember that it is through him and through him alone that we have hope and that we have peace. We all know Romans 5, 8. It's probably a verse that many of us learned and maybe memorized as a, as a child, but it says, but God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is so important for us as we try to process what forgiveness is, what true love is, and knowing that God has demonstrated this and Jesus did this for us on the cross, that that though we were sinful creatures or are sinful creatures, um, that he chose to die for us, that we have forgiveness of our sins through Jesus Christ and through him alone. Um, So an application point that I want to leave us with when, it, when we um, look at the word forgiveness is simply to just remember, because I think it's so often that at the pace of life and the things that happen around us, that we forget to stop and pause and remember the goodness of God, that we owe everything to Jesus. It is through him only that we have found forgiveness and we have been forgiven. So we must forgive. It is through him And we owe everything to him. So let us remember that we owe it all to Jesus. There is nothing that we could have ever done to earn our salvation. It is through our faith in him and his death on the cross and resurrection that we have hope in Jesus Christ. So the forgiveness of sins comes through him and through him alone. Um, C.S. Lewis continues in talking about, about pride. He actually labels this the great sin. And I think that's a very good depiction of what pride really is, because it's one of those things that um, creeps into our lives and we all have it. 
but we never realize how great it is or how big it is and how much it impacts our life. So he calls it the great sin. And he has this quote in, in um, this chapter and it says, pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment and even common sense. He calls it spiritual cancer. And I, th- I think that this should put it into kind of a, just a, a word picture for us of, of the severity of pride. Now, there's numerous Proverbs that talk about pride being the downfall of man. Um, Proverbs 8.13 tells us that the fear of the Lord um, is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Um, Proverbs 16.18 says this. This is the one um, you guys have all heard before. It says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. So pride goes before destruction. Pride will be our downfall. And there's a great example of what pride is, I feel like, in Second Chronicles um, chapter 26. And it's about a young king, King Uzziah, who was 16 when he became king over Judah. And, and it, talks about, it talks about his reign, and it talks about some of his accomplishments. But this is what it says about King Uzziah in um, chapter 20, I'm sorry, chapter 26, in verse number 5. It says, as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. As long as he sought the Lord, God, God gave him success. But we'll see his downfall. Chapter 26, really, in the first part of this, talks a lot about his accomplishments. And, and I encourage you guys to read through this in, in your own personal study. But it talks about the armies that he, that he overcame. It talks about the cities um, that he conquered and how his fame spread even to the borders of Egypt. And it says he became very powerful. He was very famous. He built towers. He dug wells, he fortified cities, towers. He had so many, so many um, livestock on the plains. He was, he had, he had vineyards. There was, there was so much happening for King Uzziah, and he was very famous. It says that he led, he led an army of over three hundred thousand men. He would, he even, it even talks about. This is interesting to me. In fifth, in verse fifteen, it says he made devices and invented um, for the use on the towers, on the corner defenses, so that the soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. I mean, so he he was a thinker. He was creative. He invented things. And this is what it sums up his story. And it says, his fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. That should point us back to Proverbs 16, 8, right? Pride goes before destruction. It says that he he was greatly helped by God until he became powerful. Verse 16 takes a turn. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led him to his downfall. And he began to take things into his own hands and tried to walk into the temple. It says this. Um, that he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar. And then Isaiah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him into the temple. They confronted him and said, it is not right for you to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priest and the descendants of Aaron and you um, who have been consecrated to burn incense. You must leave the sanctuary for you have been unfaithful and you will not be honored before the Lord your God. He had so much pride in him that he just decided to take on a priestly responsibility and walk into the temple, burn incense, 
when he was not one of God's chosen people. He was so prideful that he thought he could do whatever he wanted to do before God, and it led to his downfall. This is an illness that um, we've all heard of, but I've never heard of it in this context. And l- listen to what the Lord, Lord did. While he was raging against the priests in the presence before the instance of the altar of the Lord, leprosy broke out on his forehead. So the Lord struck King Uzziah with leprosy in the midst of the temple because of his arrogance, because of his pride, which led to his downfall. So the second application point that I want us to remember here is that it all belongs to him. No matter how successful you become or how the world views you, guys, it's all his. It is all Jesus's. So remember, it all belongs to him. No matter what King Uzziah had obtained and acquired as far as material possessions, it was all Jesus's. It was all Heavenly Father's. There was, there was nothing that belonged to him, but his pride and arrogance and stature began to make him prideful and it led to his downfall. Let us remember that pride will be our detriment. C.S. Lewis does a great job of contrasting this as well when he talks about humility. And I think there's another great story I'm going to remind you for us in Second Chronicles, actually in chapter 20. So if you just flip back six short chapters back to 20. You read another um, example about a man named Jehoshaphat, and he was he was a king over Judah. And this is what C.S. Lewis says. He says, if anyone would like to acquire the first step in humility, it is to realize that you are proud. We have to realize that we're proud and we have to be willing to just lay it all before God and, and um, know that our hope and our rest comes only from him. And in um, chapter 20 of Second Chronicles, you see this man, this king just displays such humility before the people that he leads. And this is what he says um, and when he hears that they are about to be under attack. He hears of this army coming before him in verse number two, and his immediate response is to come before the Lord and declare a fast. So the army is coming to invade him. He just begins to worry. And verse number three says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire to the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. His immediate response was to pray and to fast and go before the Lord. And it says the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. And indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. They knew that they were in trouble and they knew that their hope was only through the Lord. And again, we don't have the time to read through all of this today, but you've got this king who stands before the entire assembly of Judah and just pours out his heart before God. He just has this beautiful conversation with God in remembering what he had done, what he had accomplished, the things that he did persevere um, and how he protected those under his covenant. And he begins just to remind God of these things And now that they're under attack, he just begins to say, God, you've done it before. I know you can do it now. And listen, listen what he says. For we have no power, this is verse 12, to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. As a king, as a leader, how easy would it have been for him to become prideful, to stand before the people that he was leading and just give them orders and say, this is what I want you to do. And he, in his humility, stands there and says, I don't know what to do, but I'm looking, I'm looking to you, God. I'm looking to you 
for the answer. I love this picture of humility that he demonstrates in front of the whole body. It says all the men of Judah and their wives and their children and the little ones, they were all standing there before God. And it says that the spirit of the Lord came to Jehiel, son of Zechariah, and he begins to give a word um, inspired by the Holy Spirit to the people of Judah. And he says this in verse 15. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. So you've got the king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, standing before the people saying, I don't know what to do, but we're just going to keep our eyes on you, Jesus. And then this man, um, the Lord speaks through Jehiel, and he stands up and, and says, this is a message from the Lord. Don't be discouraged by this vast army because the battle's not yours, it's God's. We have to remember this, that no matter what we're facing, that the Lord is in control. It says that Jehoshaphat bowed down his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord in verse number 18. They all bowed in humility and humbled themselves before the Lord because they knew the battle wasn't theirs. There's nothing they could do. It was up to the Lord to deliver them. And this is a a great story, but ultimately he sends out some men to sing. And it it says he appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him in the splendor of his holiness. And as they went out ahead of the army, they sang, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. And they began to sing and praise the Lord. And he said, ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab. And that's really how the story ends. It doesn't tell you exactly what happened? You do see that they they overcome, but you see the downfall come from faithfulness to God and a choir of men singing, give thanks to the Lord, his love endures forever. And what a spirit of humility and promise that represents for us, that there is nothing we can do. We may have our shields, we may have our swords, we may have um, our armor, but it is not us that can find the victory It is Jesus that provides it. It is our hope in God that gives us the victory. And these men found the victory through him. So the last point of application I want to leave us with today is remember that we can do nothing without him. We can do nothing without him. We have to wake up with those words on our tongue and remember and have that mindset that we can do nothing without him. It is only through Jesus that we find hope and we find peace. In verse number thirty. This chapter rounds out and it says, And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. His kingdom was at peace because God had given them rest on every side. Our God wants to give us peace on every side. And so often we miss that peace because we are so busy trying to take things into our own hands, becoming prideful, becoming arrogant and thinking that we have the answer. When all along, all we have to do is cast our eyes to the heavens and to know and trust that if our eyes are on him, he will provide. That he may conquer an army with a choir of men and he will provide for us if we rely on him and place our hope and trust in him. So as we started out this morning looking at forgiveness, let us not forget the hope of the gospel and the forgiveness that we have found through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Today, um, we're going to close out our time in prayer. And we're going to be praying um, specifically the morning this morning for Bridge Education. And, and Bridge is just making such an impact across the nation 
um, through what we're doing with with Camp Empower, with through one-on-one um, tutoring sessions, um, and just so many opportunities to impact families and students um, through education and bridge tutoring. So let's just close out our time today in prayer. God, thank you so much for what you're doing through bridge tutoring. Um, we pray for the summer for Camp Empower. Uh, Lord, we just pray in advance that you send volunteers and campers and um, support staff. Um, Lord, may you uh, just go ahead and put a burden on their heart um, to serve in this way. We pray for families to um, be willing to entrust us with their children as we invest in them with just new strategies and tools to make a lifelong difference. Um, God, we pray for these tutors and these these students that are having these one-on-one conversations each day. Um, Lord, give our bridge tutors the words of encouragement that they need that can make a huge impact in the life of these kids. God, we pray for patience and creativity and perseverance as they navigate these um, serving these children through the different learning um, processes. Uh, and God, at the end of the day, we just pray that they see you. Lord, may they see Jesus in these conversations over the screen in person, God, in moments when they feel defeated, they feel weak, or they just feel less than because they're not able to get a concept, whatever it may be, God, may they be encouraged through their time with the bridge tutors and may they find you and the hope of you through these conversations. And God, we just pray for the, the, these families find peace and healing and hope and um, Lord, just continued growth through the times that they have with um, with their kids at home. So God, we, we love you. We trust and know that you are the God of all things. And Lord, you have appointed and called each one of these children into these families so that they can learn more about you. So God, we pray for just endurance and Lord, intentionality and in sharing the gospel with them. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.